Thank you for tuning in to In the Vine Dating Podcast. Today, we'll be introducing a new segment of our podcast called Who's in the Vine, where Melissa will be interviewing different guests to talk about the questions you ask. Today, we'll be interviewing Apostle Robert Enos, pastor of Greater Works Christian Church and host of Table Flippers Podcast. And he will be discussing the topic of biblical masculinity and answering the questions you ask on social media. We are excited to introduce this new segment of our podcast. And remember to follow up every Thursday where we will further discuss any topics or responses you may have to these new segments. Please enjoy and don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to In the Vine Dating Podcast. It's your host, Melissa Chavez. And as you can see, my friends threw me on into the wolves today, and I'm here by myself with my guest that I'll be introducing in a moment. But as we announced on our Instagram stories, we're unraveling something new, and that is episodes coming out every Monday. And so those episodes are branching out from In the Vine, and we've decided to title it, Who's In the Vine? So as you know, me and the girls can really jive about any topic, and we can quote-unquote pop off, right? But we just wanted to take the time to interview people one-on-one and hear different perspectives. I think talking about biblical masculinity as women is one thing, but hearing it from a male's perspective, for example, is going to be completely different. So with me today, I have the leader of our church, Greater Words Christian Church. You guys have heard us brag about our leaders. And so we finally get to interview for the first time our main leader, I guess, for lack of a better term, Apostle Rob Enos. Hello, everybody. It's a great honor for me to be here. Thank you for having me. I just don't know really that what you got yourself <laughs> into, but I, we'll have fun yes. unwinding all of this. Yeah. So one thing about our apostle, we call him A Rob for short. So we're gonna, you're gonna hear me use that term a lot or that name reference. Um, is that he also does podcasts. He's Table Flippers podcast, and so I highly, highly recommend that you check that out. He just did a few episodes with. Um, a guest from South Africa. Those are amazing. So definitely go and check out from beginning to end. Make sure to download the podcast. It is hot fire. So, A-Rod, I can already hear people saying, you know, well, that's your leader. Of course, you're going to interview him. But I want to brag about this man a little bit because I know that he probably won't do it, at least not at the beginning of the show. Um, and so he, what I've seen under the leadership of A-Rod and the rest of the leadership at, at our church is, you know, when people come in, by nature of being under the leadership, and of course we give credit to God first, right? It's first God, first his discipleship, but, and the people that he's put over us, I've seen exponential growth in each and every single person, including myself, but what I wanna highlight today is the growth that I've seen in the men that come to our church. You know, they start out really as boys, and um, throughout the process of time and through discipleship and all that now, a lot of them have families, have thriving careers, and so, um, I know that a lot of them have been mentored or discipled by A-Rob, and so we just wanted to bring the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to live up to that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so what I brought him on here for is to discuss the topic of biblical masculinity and also traditional gender roles in the family unit. And so, well, not just in the family unit, in society as a whole, really. And so I'm really just going to let him get started. Like, A-Rob, what do you think... What draws your attention when the topic of biblical masculinity comes up? Well, the thing that my mind goes to almost immediately when people start talking about biblical masculinity or just masculinity in general is the uh, the opposite. Mm. Because we have we have been 
men and true masculinity has been under attack for many years now. And it's come to a head in the sense of this whole LGBT stuff where men are running around in dresses, uh, nail polish, makeup, and uh, it's like they flipped that whole role. Yeah. They've taken on themselves, not every man of course, right. but so many of them have taken upon themselves that whole feminine. They've been so feminized that many of them don't even understand what it is to be a man anymore. Yeah. And not even the one that's like wearing the dress. Sometimes the other guys around, because that's been pushed upon them and they see these other guys in dresses, sometimes they don't even know fully what it is to be a man. Right. And we have these weird concepts and ideas floating around out there of what true masculinity looks like. And the reality of it is it hasn't changed since God created Adam. Masculinity has not, true masculinity has not changed, no matter how much we change. Right. So, you know, when you... First thing, when they say masculinity, boom, but look at this mess that we have over here, and we have to figure that all out so people can have a, men can have a better understanding of what they're supposed to look like, act like, think like, and so on. Yeah, and I agree. It has been attacked so much, and so I know that uh, at least in one of your podcasts, or more than one, you talked a lot about um, the toxic masculinity, right? right? And so how men being men is considered being toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I think that in a lot of ways, unfortunately, and I think for one, they should have never used this as a cop-out, no right. offense to the men, but I do see a lot of men backing up, backing down from exercising their, you know, God-given like authority and God-given precision in any setting right. and in any role. And so what, do you, what are your thoughts on, on the toxic masculinity? Um, okay, here's my thoughts, and I have to explain this. But my initial thought is this. There's no such thing as toxic masculinity. I'll explain why. <gasps> okay. <laughs> <laughs> True masculinity is not toxic. It never has been toxic and never will be toxic. What is toxic is when men no longer truly act or live masculine. Mm. For instance, they say, well, what about the, the man that beats his wife. Well, that's not masculinity because masculinity protects. That's good, yeah. So that's not toxic. Whatever that person, that male is going through and doing, that's not true masculinity. It's a farce. It's a lie. He's living a lie. And society just points out toxic masculinity. Yeah. No, that's, that's opposite. And usually it's when men are feminized mm. that they become toxic because they've taken upon themselves a role that they're not created for. And thus they don't know, men don't know how to be women. It's just not in their DNA, it's not who they are. I don't care how many dresses, I don't care how many hormones they pump in their body, it's always a failed uh, um, lifestyle and it's a failed action, that's toxic. Right. But a man that protects, that's, that's masculine, that's not toxic. A man that provides, mm -hmm. A man that is strong in his beliefs, and it doesn't force it on on people, but doesn't back down from it either. None of that's toxic. Right. But that is masculinity. That's what masculinity looks like. Yeah, that's really good. And I think um, I remember reading an article. It's, it's been some time now. It was probably like at the end of last year, where it talked about because unfortunately with today's day and age, not only that, but a lot of men have um, become recluse to the to the point where they really are just living like these cyber lives, right? Oh, yeah. Where now, um, like for example, I mean it's a dating podcast, so I'm gonna bring this up. Where um, 
a lot of men are afraid to even like approach women because of that fear of rejection, that fear mm -hmm. of being torn down. And so what's happened is that there's been like this increase, right, in like the online dating. And so at the in the mind dating, what we're trying to do is, I mean, not necessarily discourage people from doing that, but encourage these live interactions, right? right? right, right. Because uh, as we're taught all the time here at church is men are hunters by nature. And mm -hmm. so right. being on the screen, that's not really much of a challenge, right? And it's presents his whole idea so what are your thoughts about that like because i know because of that i've seen a lot of men like get into the gaming get into all this nonsense where it's really just created like this not necessarily toxic masculinity but a toxic environment because now men can't really thrive because they themselves yep. are like emasculating themselves you know yeah. exactly and and uh, let me just say this about the um the uh, online dating i'm not i'm not 100 percent opposed to it just because our world has changed and it's it's the new meeting place and at least people are meeting right you know but I know too many young men especially upwards of 30 years old that are still their whole existence is playing video games mm -hmm. and I'm not even against video games every now and then I like to play Call of Duty or whatever but I don't live there right I take care of my business first and you see that's not toxic masculinity but that's toxic immaturity because I don't care if the person's 30, 40, 50, or 15. At 15, he can get away with it. Yeah. But, I, you know, when they're not rising to the occasion and, and looking for a wife, taking upon a wife, building a career, and they're still 30 years old or 25, 30 years old, still living with mom, mom and dad are paying all the bills, and they're just playing video games. Yeah. That's toxic because they're needed in the real world right there's some woman out there that is looking for a husband who is actually mature mm -hmm. a 25 year old who has a career has a job wants to get married wants to pursue a life together with a woman and what is he doing right you know until all hours of the night um and not producing and that's what men are supposed to be they're supposed to be producers supposed to be protect who are you protecting when you're locked away in your bedroom until three o'clock in the morning right. playing a video game yeah. who are you providing for who are you fighting for whose life are you changing yeah by the time a young man hits say 25 um, and beyond especially if not fully in a full lifelong career at least well established that he's somewhere in in that career or pursuing a career pursuing a wife pursuing children pursuing owning land, pursuing, creating a life for not only for himself, but his wife, his children, and the community around him. Mm -hmm. Stuck in some bedroom somewhere playing video games does nothing for anybody. Right. He's not adding to society. He's not adding to culture. And so this disconnect from, from these young men that don't know what it is to really be a man, it, 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 it's gotten me concerned, not yeah. just for them as an individual, but for all of culture and society, mm -hmm. because where are the where are the men? Right. Where are they? Why aren't they producing? Why are why aren't they they uh, getting a job and and building a career, building a business, and taking on a wife and, and and having children and raising up those children? So we have this huge gap in in culture and society, right. where and and who's to blame? It's the toxic immaturity in many males, not toxic masculinity. Right, because, and it's true, because a lot of males, what's going to happen when they're immature, that's when the promiscuity starts happening, yeah. right? 
Oh, that's yeah. when they start dating multiple women or they start mm. talking about these things. I remember just recently somebody said, if, um, it was actually during our Sunday service, somebody said if the man is talking in a shrewd way about women, it's more than likely because they themselves are not in a position to get women. Yeah. And so they start objective. It was yes. de definitely different words were used. But um, the point is still true, right? The moment that a man feels rejected or their ego is affected, that's when they start disrespecting women and all that. I mean, as a woman, I can definitely see even the other side of the coin with that, right? And so now my question is, you know, because I see that a lot of kids, well, I shouldn't say kids, but a lot of men, they start following leaders that, like, for example, like, I'm sure you're familiar with Andrew Tate. Right, yeah, this guy. Yes. So uh, I don't really know much about him, but I definitely know that some of his stuff is definitely off, right? There's some things that it's like, oh, that makes sense, but other things it's just like, like what in the world are you saying, dude? And so, uh, but people start looking at that because it gives uh, men space, it gives boys the space to be mm -hmm. men. But we know that men can't be men without the true man and the true Christ, the true, the true right. Savior, right? Because that's what brings in the identity as a man. Mm -hmm. And so then for men, for boys, whatever, that are just like, okay, you know what? Because there has been such an attack on, on family, on women, on men. And so I feel like a lot of people, they have a lot of good information and they have a lot of good resources and they have a lot of voices that are speaking to them. But I've personally, I've seen the fruit that has been, that has come out of our church, right? Mm -hmm. And so then what, what are you, what do you suggest or how do you start discipling men telling them like, hey, this is what you should do. How do you get them started on that path? <laughs> That's a fun one. Because <laughs> over... Over the years, we've ha I've had those conversations with some of the young men mm. um, that, well, they were at that age where they should have been finishing up with college, finishing their education, getting a career, starting a life together, and they were still content living at home with mom and dad. Yeah. And what was sad to me was their mom and dad was content with them staying at home. Mm, good point, yeah. You know, and for my kids, I love my kids very much, and I love hanging out with them. I love being around them. But I also knew instinctively, they're hitting that 18, and for us, it was like 17, 18. All my kids were out of the house at, at, by the time they were 18 years yeah. old and did fine, yeah. did great. So when I hear these people say, you just can't make it today, that, that's garbage. Right. You, the person saying that can't make it because they're too busy doing other things than pursuing a life, a career, a family. They're pursuing nonsense. Yeah. So it's, 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 um, it's doable. But I, I, I started just a moment ago saying, I'm not against online dating, which I'm not, but I want to qualify that as well. That to me is, is should be the latch ditch, ditch effort. Right. Because what every one of us, men and women, but especially you men, especially you young men, you need to learn how to be able to look a girl in the eye and talk to her and carry on a conversation. <laughs> and unfortunately, I see too many um, young men between say 18 and 30 that are more comfortable behind a computer talking to a girl that they can't see. They have never really truly met, at least in person, but they can have that keyboard courage, right. <laughs> but they have no courage to actually approach a woman right. and say, excuse me, my name is so-and-so. You know, can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can right. we sit down? I, I would like to get to know you better. Mm -hmm. You would be amazed, guys. I, this is what I've seen, and this breaks my heart. Even with some of the young ladies in our church, I say this as humbly as I know how to. 
Our church is the most beautiful church on the planet. We don't have any ugly people in our church, especially our young ladies. They're gorgeous. Why our church isn't filled with young men looking to get to know these young ladies and pursue a life with them boggles my mind because when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, I was chasing the young... When I say chasing, I'm not talking about sexually. I'm talking about wanting to get to know them. Be, I kind of liked being around the beautiful women. And so when I see the beautiful women of our church and there's no guys pursuing them, it's not the lady's fault, guys. Stop playing video games, get off the computer, go to where some good, solid Christian women are, introduce yourself, and then let nature take its course, as they would say. You just might find yourself a wife and create a whole life together. But you have to put down the Xbox controller or, or the, what is that? <clears throat> PS4, whatever it is. Whatever it is. <clears throat> put down those controllers and get out there and meet some people. That's why I really appreciate what you're doing. Because you're creating an environment for real world interaction. Right. Yeah. And I think, I'm not speaking for every Christian woman out there, but I think that's one of the frustrations, right? Where it's like, and it sucks to say this, but it's like you are able to find more manly men, whatever, whatever that means, out in the world yeah. more than you're able to find it in the church. Because in the church, I remember I, I posted this thing on, on our page and somebody was like, oh, yeah, that's why you should date a Christian man or something like that. And I was like, well, news to you, buddy. They're not all necessarily going to be men of integrity, men that carry um, a strong, like, uh, a strong ethic, a strong right. conviction, or anything of that nature. I actually, I, I think, I found more pansies in the church than I have <laughs> than I have out in the world. You know what I mean? And so then, to me, uh, what you're saying is absolutely true. And again, like, because um, I never want to be that 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 kind of place that's like lopsided, right? Where it's like all oh, men are the women, because I um, we all understand right, that right. we have our place in it. But when it comes to that, I completely agree because a lot of women we're we're pretty much open i think but even if we're not what it gets me is like since when did men like stop being okay with like facing hard things right, right like right, right. you're gonna have to face rejection you're gonna have to face some sort of like let down or in order to be able to find a good thing mm -hmm. and so one thing that i do like that you're doing with some of the other men in the church is uh i don't remember exactly what you guys called it that's similar to the summit yeah well we called it the summit but oh, our own summit, summit. there yeah, you go yeah so tell us about that tell us about the summit Okay, so in a nutshell, the summit, which uh, you can look at this if you want to get more information, uh, TPUSA, uh, that's um, Turning Point yeah. USA with Charlie Kirk. They have what they call the summit, the men's summit. And basically, they take you away for about four days, and it's grueling. Very little food, very little sleep, marching all day, carrying a pack, plus about a 30, 35-pound weight on your back, marching all day doing really extreme hard things. And what they keep pounding into us is men do hard things. And uh, it may not seem like, oh, that, that, that sounds stupid. That doesn't sound like, it wasn't fun, I'm not gonna lie. But at the end of it, what I came away with it, and at my age, I went into that 56 years old. I was one of the oldest guys on the team and I made it. So it's very doable. But I also came away with that sense of, you know what, men do hard things and we have to sometimes purposely put ourselves in situations to overcome those hard things. Mm -hmm. 
So <clears throat> when we got back from that, myself and two other guys from the church went and did that. We decided to put on just a one-day mini-summit here at the church with some of our guys. And we, uh, we, di- we just did it in one day, same types of things. And we took, uh, what was there, about five, six mm-hmm. guys that we went out with. And we were yelling at them. We were making them do things hard. And uh, you know what? When they came back, they all said the same thing. That was terrible going through it. It was horrible. And, it, and granted, it was. But at the end, when they came through it, and they're standing there and said, I survived this. Men do hard things. I survived this. They came away with a sense of healthy pride that says, yeah, I can tackle anything in life and make it happen. And that's what that was designed to do. Unfortunately, like you were saying, and I just, this breaks my heart again, but there are too many soft men in the church that will never put themselves purposely in a situation to challenge themselves on that level. Sweating, oh, I don't wanna sweat. Oh, I might get a blister, I can't do that. Oh, I gotta carry a pack, I might need. It's always all these excuses. But at some point, man, you gotta put away all the excuses Man up and do it anyways. Figure it out. Make a way. And that's what the summit it was all about. <laughs> and that's what I've been all about with these guys. Yeah, and what I appreciate about that and what everything that you're saying, you know, it's, it's really challenging and it sounds pretty, it can be sound like difficult to hear. But what's crazy is that it shouldn't be, right, first of all. But secondly, men have literally been designed yes. with this in their yes. utmost being. So our, our flesh or whatever culture we've been brought up in, the automatic response, especially if you haven't been doing this or living out this kind of life is, well, he doesn't understand or she doesn't understand or we don't know your things. But at the end of the day, God created us in his image, right? Men and women, he created them. And so if God created you with the ability and the desire to be able to do hard things, really where you're at right now, if you're not doing hard things, if you're not walking out biblical masculinity, that right there is what's really going against your design. And so that's probably why you're dealing with depression. That's probably why you're quote unquote in your mom's basement. That's why you're okay with taking handouts, whatever the case may be. And that is a life from the pit of hell because that's not the way that God has designed you. And so, um, you know, Again, like it's very militant with what he's saying, but at the end of the day, that's really what men respond to and what should respond to. And so if you're listening to this and you're maybe feeling offended, maybe feeling like I'm going to turn this down, like, oh, no, this is not for me, then I'm going to challenge you. Ask yourself, why not? Is it because it sounds is it because it's it doesn't make sense or it doesn't sound like truth? Or is it because you yourself are afraid of going through that fire, going through that challenge? Because ultimately, um, again, we're, we've been designed according to God's nature. So if you're a man, God has given mm-hmm. you that ability to be able to break through that. And so I know that there's a lot of men that do want, you know, to have kids, do want to find a wife. And where you're at, you are what you attract what you are, right? And so the person that you are in this moment, would you be okay with attracting a wife that's in that same stage of life? Where it's like, mm-hmm. you know what, like... I haven't really discovered what God has made me for. I haven't really discovered my femininity. I haven't discovered what it is to be a biblical wife. But I kind of just want a husband, so maybe I'll just find whoever and whoever comes. Like, if if you're okay with settling with that, I mean, I'm sorry for you. You've been designed for a lot much for a lot more than that. Your kids definitely deserve a lot more than that. I can't tell you how many of my friends have grown up in those kind of environments where the parents are kind of just there. 
And so the, they end up growing up kind of just like, well, I don't really know. So they end up being guided and discipled by the worldly system. And that's where you have the Cardi B's taking off in the world because a lot of women are feeding into those lives, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm going to, I mean, this is for both men and women. For men, the Lord has designed you to be men. And so the lie of the world is to take that away from you, to take that gift from you. And for women, we've been designed to be feminine. We've been designed to create life. And so the world is going to try to come in and pervert that. And so with that, I kind of just want to uh, transition into the biblical male and female gender roles. And right now we're going to discuss in the in the context of family, context of relationships, context, context of dating. Because what's happened recently is that, um, you know, I don't know exactly where it started, but um, women for some reason have found like, you know, feminism and all that. And that has turned into like sexual freedom or that's turned into not wanting to have kids, like abortion rates, like that, all of that stuff right. going crazy. And we've kind of tried to take on the man's role or the man's quote unquote role. And so now I've seen a lot of miserable women where <laughs> yeah. even at work, like me, and, um, maybe I shouldn't say it, but at work, I have a discussion with certain people that it's like a lot of the women that are in positions of leadership don't have families. And so we're just like, wow, like that really sucks because at the end of the day, like what, what do you, what's the point of all of this? Right. You know, exactly. And I understand like uh, there may be medical issues, whatever the case may be. Like I totally am. I sympathize for that. But when people have made the conscious choice to not put themselves in that place, that to me is really heartbreaking mm -hmm. because it's going against our design as both right. men and women. Yeah. And so what what do you have to say about that, about the, you know, the roles in, in society and relationships? Let me say it this way, because uh, a lot of people might hear it and say, oh, you just you're just being old fashioned. Things have changed and things have changed. But have they really changed for the better? No. I mean, when. <laughs> And you, you hit the nail on the head when you said with the, all this feminism, uh, uh, the thing I would say, are the women really, truly happy? Right. They might be able to look at their career and go, I'm happy with my career, but who do you have to pass it on to? Exactly. Who do you have to share it with? Yeah. You know, I, I've, I've, again, counseled and talked to, spoke to many women 35 and older that they went and they tackled their career and they did excellent, made a lot of money, bought a house, nice car, and they are not happy, they're depressed because they go home alone right. to an empty house. They have all these beautiful things and nobody to share it with. And now they're beginning to grieve and um, question, if you will, their choices based upon this thing called feminism. Mm -hmm. Feminism, that's actually a wrong term to describe it because what it is, it's when feminine women change roles to become more masculine. Right. So it's not feminism, it's masculinity. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about toxic masculinity, it's the feminine movement. <laughs> because yeah. what it does with men who buy into it, they become more feminine. The women that buy into it become more masculine. It's a reversal of roles. Yeah. And then in the end, I'm not talking about up front, but in the end, Nobody's happy. Exactly. Everybody's depressed and they're all alone. Or some of the ladies, because they've been very loose in their relationships, talk about all their abortions they had. Mm -hmm. And now they're grieving. Because now they're at an age where they can't have children. Nobody to share their life with. Mm -hmm. The men who had just kind of got into it because they thought they can get those women, they're at the end of the... They're used up as well. And they're heartbroken. They, what do I do now? 
exactly. where do I go? I'm, I'm you know, 35, I'm 40, I'm 50 years old. That part of my life is over that I never really got to experience. Right. Right. And so there's this huge question, this emptiness that they'll never, ever be able to get back because the years that they should have been pursuing family and children and marriage, building a life together, they didn't. Right. And then they get to a certain age, well, I guess I can still get married, but you can't go back and pursue all of those other things. Yeah. And it's an emptiness. I agree. And I think, well, there's so many things. There's so many veins, there's so many, but like, there's so many things that we mm -hmm. can follow, right? But I think going back to the, the gaming, the online dating and all these things, you know, there's been a lot of, um, there's a lot of choice now, right? right. Um, like for example, before, back in the day, maybe not your days, who knows? <laughs> um, it, was a, it was much easier, right? Because you were, you were limited to your community, right? Yeah, the people right. that you were dating. So now it's opened up where it's really worldwide. Like you can right. be on a dating app and you can be connected with somebody in like Dubai or something, whatever. Yeah. And so I, I know a lot of my counter, not counterparts. Yeah, counterparts. A lot of contemporaries, there you go. Uh, what they do is they get afraid of like, well, what if this, what if I'm settling here? What if I'm doing this? Like, what if this isn't the person? Like, and, and Christianity, we brought into this life. And I'm not saying that there's not a person that God has for you. Like, I'm not saying that. But I think there's like this fairy tale notion to that as well. Yes. Where it's like, you know, the world says soulmates and all these things. But I think at the end of the day, like, the person that you decide to make something work with is a person that something's going to work with. Yep. Right. And so then how, like, what would you say to that for like both men and women that are like, well, I don't know, like they're just afraid of a commitment of settling down. Like, mm -hmm. how would you bring peace into that situation? Okay. First, like you touched upon, God does have that perfect uh, man or, you know, spouse. Yeah. But most of the time he works out that perfection in us in a organic, natural kind of way. Mm -hmm. There's not too many people that I know in all of my years that have said, God spoke to me, that's my husband or that's my wife, we got married and been happy ever since. Yeah. It's usually that organic thing, somebody asks somebody out, they go on a date or group dates or whatever, they court, and it just works out, and then they realize later in life, that's the perfect man or the perfect woman for me. Mm -hmm. And that's why God does it, because he doesn't take the excitement right. out of it. So he's, among other things, He's also Jehovah Sneaky. He <laughs> sneaks those things in. Okay. So uh, the, the, if you're dating somebody, uh, you know, the guy dating a girl, a girl dating a guy, and they think, well, there might be somebody better out there. Let me get online. Let me do this. Well, maybe there is. But if both the man and, and the woman yeah. are willing to do whatever it takes, they because here's the... the, the, the Fairy tale part. Oh, I found Mr. Right or I found Mrs. Right because it met all my immediate criteria. Mm -hmm. That still will not make or guarantee a long-term relationship of happiness for the rest of your life because immediate criteria was met. Right. The criteria. I mean, don't get me wrong. You want to have some criteria. You want to have picked one that's right. Right. But at the same time, the one that's really right is the one willing to do whatever it takes to make the relationship work. Yes. Yeah, that's so, really good. Yeah, yeah, and so it's it's it cuts out that whole fairy tale nonsense, and yet at the same time still creates a fairy tale. Yeah. Because within any true fairy tale or just you know um, sparkly relationship, 
you find two people that are willing to make it work. Yeah. That's really good because essentially the world's way of uh, defining fairy tale is in the initial beginning, right? Yeah. It's like when two people come together, that's the fairy tale. But with the Lord, as you just mentioned, the fairy tale is unraveled. It's the yeah, ever exactly. after. It's not yeah. just the explosion right here or whatever. Because a lot of actually, a lot of the relationships that uh, have been successful um, that I've seen that people have told me about that I've witnessed are those that start out kind of kind of rocky at the beginning where it's like, well, I'm not quite sure because people have exercised a little bit more caution. Right. Right now they're kind of making sure that things align because it's true, you know, we have, and we actually just talked about this in the last episode where we talked about the list where a lot of people use the list, the Christian list, yeah. um, to write out the things that they need for the immediate right now. But things change all the time. Like right now you may find somebody that has an amazing job, that has mm -hmm. a great body, that has all these things. But five, 10, 20 years down the road, all yeah. of that is going to change. Exactly. And so is that person going to be somebody that you're willing to grow with and change with? And do you trust them to make the right decision from here on out? You know? Well, it's true because uh, generally speaking, when a, when a man and woman first start dating or courting, I, I try to use courting because dating just gets you in trouble. Right. <laughs> courting is safer. Yeah. So they start courting and they start really focusing on getting to marriage. Usually they're they're in that fuzzy state. You know that's why courting is important because you're always with other people. They see things you don't want to, or you refuse to see because <laughs> she's perfect. Yeah. She's the angel sent from heaven. Look at her, she's beautiful, she had a great body, great personality, great job, everything that you ever wanted. And then you get married, you're still on that high after the honeymoon and your first child, then suddenly that's when reality hits. And it's supposed to hit. And that's when both are supposed to turn and work on it together. You know, um, it's funny because I'm not a heavy guy, but I'm about 30, 35 pounds heavier right now than when, when I got married. Oh. I was a stick. Oh my goodness. An ugly, skinny little stick. <laughs> now he lent you uh, signs of the future. <laughs> <laughs> Point is, everybody changes. Yeah. Everybody changes, but are, are both the husband and the wife willing, the man and woman, willing to work on those changes? Because you might be holding out for that Barbie doll, <laughs> But Barbie doll later will have an attitude mm. or have a child and no longer look like the Barbie. <laughs> and neither will you, Ken. <laughs> Life happens. Yeah. You might have this fantastic job in a career. What if that whole career blows up and you have to go flip burgers? Is she still going to stay with you or are you going to stay with her until you work things out and make it happen? Life happens. There's this thing called life yes. and it happens. It's not the fairy tale. Everybody wants that. And I agree, there should be warm fuzzies in the beginning. But those warm fuzzies should turn into a commitment right. that goes beyond everything else. When body types change, when careers fall apart, when evictions happen, mm -hmm. when sickness happens, you never give up. You keep pursuing it together. That's, That's the true fairy tale. That's what really makes a life worth living. That's good. I like that. So I probably should have asked this at the beginning, but um, I guess how would you, if somebody were to come and ask you, okay, so how do you define how do you define biblical masculinity? What would you say? Um, I would look at, of course, number one, Jesus. Look yeah. at number one, Jesus. Now, Jesus sometimes gets a wrong. People get a wrong impression about Jesus because 
so many times we focus on the nice Jesus that went around, loved on people, hugged them, fed them, prayed for them, you know, and he was sweet and he, he would take time with the woman caught in adultery and all that. And that's true. He did that. So that's one side of masculinity. Being that caring, loving, protecting, listening kind of man that uh, all of culture and society needs. Mm -hmm. But he also flipped tables. Yes. When he saw something wrong and the people doing the wrong refused to straighten up, he flipped over their tables and drove them out of the temple. Yeah. These were holy people, or I should say this, religious people. Yes. So here's a guy that drove the religious out of their own church, if you will, because they were doing something wrong. He would also get in people's face. Mm -hmm. he would, I mean, you, you look at all the places that Jesus called people names when it was deserving to make a point, to get them back on the right track. Mm -hmm. He, you know, he, he was, uh, even when he was walking on water, and his, his disciples were in the boat. One of the gospels says he would have just walked on by had they not cried out to him. Yeah. They were sinking. People say, well, didn't he care? Well, of course he cared. It's the reason why he was out there. But he was also just going to walk on by him unless they called to him. Yeah. He wasn't somebody that was moved in that sense. He had compassion. He had love. But he was not a sissy right. on any level. Not a sissy at all. He willingly went to his death for all of us. Mm -hmm. He sacrificed himself for all of us. So biblical masculinity, it's sacrificial. It's protective. It protects the weak. It protects uh, the women in our lives. It protects our children. It's edifying. In other words, it creates an atmosphere that builds up other people, mm -hmm. puts them first. <clears throat> True masculinity, biblical masculinity will even fight. And what do I mean by that? When there's something wrong that harms other people, Jesus flipped their tables. Yeah. There's not enough table flippers out there in, in the Christian world. Not enough men willing to flip some tables. I don't mean literally go flip a table, but stand up for what is right. You know, like uh, what we see right now with a lot of the, what we call mama bears. Yeah. And going to these school board meetings and such. <clears throat> fighting against all this nonsense. How come there's not more fathers? Right. And I praise God for the ones that are there. Don't get me wrong, there are some. Mm -hmm. But it should be about 90% men, 10% women. We are letting our wives do our job, men. Right. So what does biblical masculinity look like? It looks like the man standing up for his children at the, at the um, school board meetings. Right. It's the man, the father, going down and, and getting in the face of a principal who's pushing all this sexual nonsense right. on the children. Right. It's the man going to a rally saying enough is enough. I will stand. Yes. If my wife wants to come, phenomenal. But I'm going anyways. Yeah. As her man, as her husband, as father, and just as a man in general. So biblical masculinity looks like somebody who gets involved protecting and caring for those around him, especially the women and the children. Yeah, that's really good because it even takes me back to why we name this particular one Christ and country you know a lot of people are uh, they equate it we, we again we discussed this in one of our last podcasts but because a true man really is about what's going on around them right it's not it's not just me and my family is 
um, the community at large because it ends up affecting the family, oh, yeah. right? And so yeah. the moment that they keep their eyes off what's going on around them or what's affecting their kids, the environment that's around their kids, then that's when uh, children themselves begin to, they bring it into the home, right? And so now there's like this huge disconnect. And so I completely agree, you know, the school board meetings, being involved in what's going on in the community. I know that you are involved even in your HOA board, which is, you know, it may seem like, well, what does that matter to me? It matters tons because eventually, you know, in the Vine Dating, what we want to do is restore the autonomy back into the family governance. And why is that important? And why is this even relevant to a dating thing? It's because when you embark on the journey with a spouse, whoever you decide to settle down with, eventually your kids, your marriage is going to shape society in one way or another. You're either, your marriage, your successful marriage is either gonna produce a good citizen that's gonna sow into the, the nation, that's gonna sow into the right. community, or you're gonna produce somebody that if you end up getting divorced, which I get, there's some people that have gone through divorces and that was probably out of your control. So we sympathize with that. We understand that there's exceptions to the rule. Right. We get that. But the children would come out hurt. They would come out, you know, now they're, now they're going to the world or society to, be, to come and fill in that void in their area. And so, um, you know, with all of this, I know that we touched on a lot, but still, it's it's really important for us to be able to give a, a well-rounded picture of what it is to be a man, because it's not just, oh, I'm gonna have the title of husband and that's it. No, it comes with responsibility. And so now, um, just wanna wrap it up with the, going back to the traditional gender roles, how would you define that? Because um, I know that we talked on feminism and all that good stuff, but a, a lot of people have dwindled it down to who pays for the meal? Who does this? Like, which is really, I mean, it has its yeah. place, but in the grand scheme of things, like, it really does not. But how would you describe that in the long term? Like, when somebody is going out and they want to court somebody, how would you define that in the courting, in the marriage? Okay, um, let me let me start this again. Courting. I don't believe in dating because dating just opens the door for, for problems, uh, you know, premarital sex and things of that, which I know a lot of you guys are like, yeah, that's what we want. <laughs> yeah, you may want that, but it sets you up for a lot of heartache in your future. Yeah. And, and you never want to, or you should never want to, um, how can I put this, put that woman Especially if it's somebody you really care about and you have an idea you want to marry or put that woman in, in a compromising position mm -hmm. because what you are doing is you are setting her off from a place of protection and bless. You're doing the opposite of what you're created to do. Yeah. So court her. Now the idea, and I know this has always been funny to me, but I'm old school and I still believe this. Uh, uh, a woman, if she's with a guy, should never have to pay for her meal. If there's a taxi involved, or I guess Uber these days, <laughs> should not have to pay for it. In that sense, should not have to pay for anything on that date, that courting time together. Even if they're with a group of friends, he still should take care of everything. People say, well, you're just being old fashioned. Yeah, because it works. Yeah. It sets a precedent from that very initial onset, from that relationship. I'm here to take care of you. That doesn't mean that, that the woman, the young lady, can't have a job, a good job, a career, and things like that. It means that the man is setting a precedent. I'm protecting you. I'm building you up. I'm covering this. 
I'm providing for you. Right. And, um, and it should be right from the very beginning. So guys, number one, get out there and start talking to the ladies. <laughs> and number two, be ready for her to say yes to that time together and be ready to pay for it. Yeah. Be ready to pay for it. On that first, uh, if you will, date, courting, um, I don't think you should pick her up. She should meet you there. Maybe you ride with a friend. You and your friends go out with her and her friends and you meet. But the moment you get together, you pay for everything. Mm -hmm. If you go to, I don't know, where's a nice place to eat? If you go to a steakhouse, Baracol, Baracol, yeah, you pay for her <laughs> meal. You pay for her soda pop, her drink, her yeah. whatever. Her, you pay for it. If you guys go to a movie afterwards, pay for it. She wants popcorn, pay for it. She wants milk duds, pay for it. Because what you are doing is saying, you are so important to me. There's not a, a um, there's no amount of money that I'm not willing to give to win your heart. And so many guys are saying, yeah, we're going to go Dutch. I told my daughters, that guy wants to go Dutch? You just say, see ya. <laughs> Call me, I'll come pick you up. I'll take you to dinner. I'll pay for it. I'll take you and buy popcorn. I'll pay for it. Yeah. Because I want to show my daughters and the ladies around us what a real man does. He takes care of business. He takes care of the people in his life. He takes care of the women in his life. He takes care of the children in his life. He doesn't put that on anybody else. Certainly doesn't put it on her. And then when you're married, you do the same thing. Doesn't mean that her paycheck doesn't come in. It just means you are the one for, foremost paying for the home, paying for the cars, paying for the gas, paying for the clothing, taking care of her. Yeah. This is why it's always so important for men to always make themselves more marketable and better themselves because then they'll have more to do, or more finances and resources to take care of more people and more situations. Yeah. And what I love about that, Irab, is that, you know, I think, again, it goes back to even why courting is so important because it allows you to see, okay, if the woman is somebody that's worth of that investment, yeah. right? Then you're going to see how she stewards your time, how she stewards mm -hmm. your investment. Yeah. If she's somebody that's like reciprocating to that, then you're going to be like, oh, okay. And it's going to want to make you pour out more and the yeah. woman's going to be receiving more. Yeah. And that's the thing about women. It's like we have this God-given gift that we're able to take what's given to us and create something yeah. completely abundant yeah. with that. Um, if you want to know what that looks like, check out Proverbs 31. Uh, I mean, I know that absolutely. it's really... It's kind of cliche, right? I think a lot of women have used that, and rightfully so, but it's become like this, like this foo -foo thing. Right. But it's not. It's God's truth. And so when you really want to measure somebody and be like, hey, is this woman uh, somebody that I can see myself pouring into? See, Do you see that in her? And I'm not saying we're all going to be functioning in that from the very get-go, but is she willing to work towards that? And so um, that's what I appreciate. You know, Again, bringing it back to our church, Myself included, there's been so many people that we started coming here when we were like in our 20s and we have done it the world way and even while we were in church, we still tried to do it the world way and it didn't work. And so when we heeded the advice of Holy Spirit, the Word of God, our leaders, that's the moment where our lives started flourishing and taking off because God's way is not is the remedy to mm -hmm. counteract what's going on in the world. And so what I also love and what we discussed, me and the girls discussed in one of our podcasts, is because you know I feel like a lot of men they're like well what if I, I can't afford it or they start like falling into this fear but one thing that we that we leaned into and zeroed in on was that the moment that you decided to commit to somebody and the moment that you decided to step out in faith the Lord really meets you there yeah because yeah. it's 
God's original design, right? For the men to be providers and the women to be um, protected and good stewards and to create life out of those things. And so um, there's, we never, once again, we never want to create a lopsided picture. We just want to emphasize what happens when the two roles act in their roles, used appropriately, mm -hmm. end up creating such a, a beautiful life together, you know? And so if you hear anything from this is obviously men be men uh and have discernment lean in, find find men that can help you get there um i know that birds of a feather flock together yep. if your friends are doing the same thing that you're doing i'm so sorry and you want to better yourself and they're not bettering yourself if you guys are just getting together and you're discussing like stupid things that are going on in the world please do yourself a favor. Start hanging around with people that are going to challenge you, that are going to make you feel uncomfortable, that you're going to go home one day and be like, what in the world am I doing with my life? Those are the kind of people that you need in your life because mm -hmm. they're going to help you yes. rise up to a new level. And that's that's the men at our church. Obviously, honestly, right. like, and I've been in a lot of churches. I, I grew up in the church. I've been in and out of a lot of churches. I know what I'm saying when I say that what the discipline the discipleship and the things that we're growing up here it it works and i hate to use that because it's not a gimmick like god's word is not a gimmick no. but when things are done in their proper order like there be there just comes this flourishing that comes about and it takes over and the the only automatic response is to prosper and to um just do better mm -hmm. and so erop do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave yeah, let, let me just, uh, since at least I've been focusing primarily on the men, and, and guys, I have a lot of hope for for men in general. Yeah. Some of you are just hitting the nail right on the head, keep doing what you're doing, and some of you just really need to shift everything in your life. I heard, I saw a little meme recently that said, if you uh, hang out with four wealthy people, you'll be the fifth. Oh, that's good, yeah. You hang out with four smart people, you'll be the fifth. You hang out with four, it could be buff people, you could put anything in there. You'll be the fifth. Mm -hmm. If you, even if you have to change your entire friendship group, your circle of friends, do it. Yeah. Find what you know uh, you need to be in other people. Start hanging out with them. It's going to be awkward at first because it's going to be completely different. But yeah. do it anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, what what you said a, a moment ago about the church is one of the reasons why so many of the the guys in general and the families are doing so well here is because. Of that principle right we had enough people doing well that when they came in they were the fifth mm -hmm. or the sixth or whatever it was the young men were doing great that were here someone else comes in they were that next one because yes. they started hanging out with the ones that were already successful already moving forward either getting married or already married doing those things mm -hmm. if you're not in a position or a place where that's the norm get into a place where that's the norm yep. You know, whatever it is. So my my just knee-jerk, off-the-cuff kind of advice to all men, if, you, if you're not in the gym, get in the gym. Yes. <clears throat> it's not about a certain look. It's about doing the work. And it does something to you. And you walk out of the gym feeling like, I can conquer anything. That's right. It's just, not only is it healthy, but it's mentally and emotionally healthy. If you're... If you don't have a job, get a job, any job. Just start working somewhere. Yes. If you're already in an entry-level job, quit demanding a living wage <laughs> and make yourself more marketable to earn a living wage. Mm -hmm. 
change from the simple entry-level job to a more of a career job. If you don't have the education for it, get it. Mm -hmm. If you say, well, I'm not into um, college, that's just not my thing. Okay, go to trade school. Mm -hmm. Learn welding, learn mechanics, learn something that you can then take for the rest of your life and grow in it. Yes. And last, get, get some healthy places. Not the bar, not the club, a good church or something of that nature where, where the opposite sex is hanging around and go meet them, greet them and, and shake their hands and get to know them. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you're going to walk into a church today and tomorrow get married, mm -hmm. but you're in a place where you can meet some decent women and decent women meeting decent guys. And then you just let nature take its course. If you're there for the right reasons, right. if you're, there for church and you go run off and play video games, probably not gonna work. Yeah. But if you're there, hey, would you like to go out to lunch with me afterwards? Our group is going to lunch, would you like to join us? It, it's a, it's an app, it creates an atmosphere in a way for people really to make those good, healthy connections that lead to something positive, right. not something destructive. So get out there and do the things that, well, are typically masculine yeah. and be a man. That's right. Christ and Country Dating Mixer. We're done the work for you. Come on. So go. check us out. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for having us out. Thank I'm sure you. it's not going to be the last time. First, last time. Yes. Um, we're definitely going to have you out. We're so excited. Thank you. Um, don't forget to check out Table Flippers podcast. Yes. Uh, a lot of gems, a lot of stuff that's going on in the world, in the church, in the world. Um, that's definitely a good place to start. Fill your mind, fill your heart with good things. But of course, the Word of God is always first. And don't forget to subscribe if you're on YouTube. Don't forget to download our episode if you're listening on on whatever podcast platform. And don't forget to check out our page on Instagram, in the vine.dating. And of course, sign up for our event coming up November 18th in Lancaster. You can sign up at inthevinedating.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we, we will see you soon. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode or we answered any of your questions, or you have a question that you would like to be discussed in future episodes, let us know in the comments or share on social media. You may also email us at inthevine.dating at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website for more information about our upcoming events on inthevinedating.com. And be sure to hit subscribe so you won't miss out on the amazing content and guests we have lined up for you. Shalom and God bless.